Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is Train to Busan, directed by Sang Ho Young and written by Jusuk Park and Sang Ho Young. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include children in danger, death, zombies, intensely stressful situations throughout, blood, gore, intense violence, and our hosts frank this movie as terrifying. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes, relevant links, and transcripts of each episode. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the episode in full, so be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Now, let's get on with the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the movie that makes me shout, Enough is enough. I've had it with these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking train. That's right. Horribles. It's time for Train to Busan. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First of all, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book creator, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I appreciate a movie that captures how I feel after my daily commute from work. Yikes. <laughs> It is about a hundred minutes and it's entirely trains and walking. Uh, and we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media. It's co-host and comics artist, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I would like to shout out to all of our essential drivers, our pilots, our conductors. Real hero of this movie. The real heroes. Yeah. Heroes. Transportation and communications technology. Big MVPs of this movie. They never lose cell service. Yeah, like I was impressed, you know, and also infrastructure technicians. Yeah. Korea, I salute you because damn. I appreciate this movie's pro infrastructure and public transportation message. Yeah. And our special guest tonight, part-time DM and full-time editor-in-chief at Mad Cave, it's Chris Sanchez. Chris, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm just here for all the hot dads. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like right off the bat, we should establish that, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this in any way correctly. I, I tried looking up pronunciations beforehand, but if I still just get totally wrong, I sincerely apologize. Ma Dong Siak, who also sometimes goes by Don Lee, uh, is in this movie. I will be heretofore referring to him as, as the internet mostly does, as Thick Dad. The Thick with two Cs. Right. This movie hits me in a very particular spot, which is dad's crying. If I ever see dad's cry, I start crying uncontrollably. So now you know my weakness, internet, especially like big dads, <laughs> small dads, any kind of dad, especially when they're like normally stoic dads. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's heard my lengthy rant about watching Eternals far too many times uh knows that i have a soft spot in my heart for gilgamesh clearly the best part of that movie uh and yeah that's that's Maldon siak as well yeah and does he die at the same point in both movies i mean that point in eternals is another half an hour later but then you know it's like mean, i guess not one-to-one time scale but proportional yeah, no. to movie length yeah probably, yes yeah. probably yeah he's always dying to save his partner uh, day he's gonna live to a whole movie and what a day that'll be he's gonna be the new sean bean where he just always dies 
No. <laughs> no. Oh, I love I, I, of sad dads. Yeah. I feel like Sean Bean usually dies in a way that doesn't break your heart. And man, he oh, his deaths have hit hard. It's not so much the deaths that make me cry. It's the crying when they, you know, like if Sean Bean, like he just started like bawling in the middle of what's that video game, Death Stranding, then I'd be like, this game. I would say most of these deaths make me go, oh, no. We're, yeah. Like, what I see, Ox was like, yeah, fucking get him. <laughs> That's true. He is fucking boxing zombies till the end. Yeah. Uh, this Something I'm going to talk about a lot in this movie is this movie is casting zombies is top to bottom fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about every it. Every acting performance is like great in this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's directed by uh, Sang Hyo Yun and it's co-written by Sang Hyo Yun and Jusuk Park. The director has also, also made the two other movies that are part of this franchise. There's an animated prequel and just recently they released Peninsula, which is a, like a semi-sequel. And <laughs> obviously... For obvious reasons, it's not going to have a lot of the same people in it. But this uh, this movie stars Gong Yu as our lead sad dad. I will refer to him repeatedly as sad dad. He is real sad all the time. Oh, yeah, very yeah. sad. Uh, kind of a uh, dick. He's so selfish, but then he's not selfish. But yeah, he has an arc. It's okay. Yeah. There's also uh, Yumi Zhang, uh, Ma Dong Siak, who we talked about, Suan Kim, who's the young Who's the daughter of Sad Dad in this? She is an incredible actress. Kim Yoo Sung, Choi Woo Sik, and uh, former K-pop star Suhi uh, making a debut in this one as her first acting credit. Choi Woo Sik, you probably you might recognize as the lead from Parasite. Yeah, actually seen Parasite. It's really, really good. It's also very good. Does it? Good are there crying? Are good. Are there crying Sad Dads in it? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, that movie. Oh, uh, they're crying sad dads. That it's pretty like, like 70% sad dads. Yeah, well, that's probably why yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I probably saw like a trailer and I'm like, that looks like too many sad dads for me today. Yeah. I think I need to like watch something. To, I need to watch Shaun of the Dead or something. At least that's like sad mom. This um, movie is, I love this movie. If you're looking for just comparison points quality wise to other movies we've covered on this podcast i think train to busan is right up there with like your get out and baba duke level to me this is a personal like top five horror movies i've ever seen yeah this movie has an incredible balance of serious to action to horror elements like i there was nothing that really took me out of it, and it was not overly, like, self-indulgently violent. It had a really great message in there, and also the acting is stellar. When we talk about genre movies, we're not usually talking about, like, Oscar-winning acting, acting performances, except for maybe Nightmare Alley and, you know, Babadook. But this movie throughout was gorgeous it was well paced also the zombies were not like the same kind of ableism zombies that we see in like in raccoon city welcome to raccoon city or whatever that we talked about the other week I mean, so. literally better than welcome to raccoon city in every possible way oh yeah i Talked mean about academy award i mean like he may not have been nominated gong yu's performance in this movie is oscar worthy yeah without a shadow of a doubt yeah he is incredible as sad dad yeah, the 
The IMDb description of this is, well, a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on a train from Seoul to Busan. Chris, we had just talked about uh, you coming on, and I mentioned that we were talking about this one this week, and you were like, yeah, sign me up for that one. What What, what is it about that you love about uh, Train to Busan? I love that it's, I, I mean, the nature of it is on a train, but it all, it's always moving. There's always something happening, and there's never, and when there is like those like small moments of like respite, there are, there's always like some character beat in there, always to keep it still interesting. And I, it's just always moving, and the yeah. momentum is awesome. I think, and I'm not going to be so haughty as to say the secret, but I think a huge element of what makes this movie just hit so hard and be so much, so impactful and memorable is that they figured out a scenario where every character is constantly making split second decisions that reveal everything about their morality and character. Yeah. Yeah, like going back this time, I'm like, oh, the, the pregnant wife uh, is just brave all the time. Uh-huh. She, she is always doing just crazy stuff all the time. It's just like, yeah, she's the best. And she's yeah. thinking on her feet. She's part of most of my favorite moments in this movie, including like when her husband opens the door to the bathroom and sort of like, smiles and makes a face at her and she just punches him like <laughs> immediately just right in the, the shoulder in a very like affectionate but like you know i was really worried about you kind of way she is seven months pregnant and doing so much strenuous physical activity so much we watch a lot of horror movies obviously and there are a lot that make me go ah or oh no and this is one of the few movies that like watching it i found myself going holy shit how did they do that that's incredible. I would have never thought of like half of this stuff. There's a couple of moments where like stuff happens in this movie that you don't necessarily see coming. And it's like, oh God, that's awful. When one of the elderly says, well, should we, I guess we should just get into it when we get to it among the whole, rather than just scattershotting our favorite holy shit moments. There's yeah. a lot of really great holy shit moments. Yeah, I was, I was tempted to get into a couple of them now, but we'll we'll definitely get there. Yeah, let's start with uh, our opening vignette here with our farmer that's bringing his pigs into town. He gets stopped at a uh, quarantine zone where they're they're spraying down the truck, and he is he is worried that they're going to kill all of his livestock again because you know last time they had a swine flu, uh, they killed all his pigs. And they assure him it's just you know it's just this little thing. They've had a problem with one of the biotech places here. It's no big deal, and he proceeds to like. As he's driving off, hit a deer. This deer is real fucked up. He drives off, leaving this broken deer carcass behind. And then it stands back up and walks off in a way that is like so creepy and does not look like it does not look like a special effect in a way that a lot of these animal effects do in these things. It's fantastic. Can we also appreciate having just covered Welcome to Raccoon City that Aside from it being a deer instead of a girl, that this is almost the exact same opener as Welcome to Raccoon City, but done in about a quarter of the time and four times more effective. Like 10 times more effective. Although I don't want to gloss over the mannequin traffic cop, the animated mannequin traffic cop, which is one of the first humanoid things that we see, which is, I don't know if that's... incredibly creative about that, I feel like. Just the 
but they've like put a sign basically shaped like a human being to direct traffic. Uh, it's not just a thing. Down. It's like a fully, like it's a three-dimensional mannequin. Yeah. Which I, at one point I'm like, mannequins taking our jobs, man. But at the same time, when you have a situation where there's like a biotech leak. Now, I haven't seen it. Biotech- Is that not the plot of the movie series Mannequin? I have no idea. Mannequin 2? <laughs> no, that is not the not the plot of Mannequin or Mannequin 2. Although I will say this is probably the safest cop in a horror movie that we've seen. He's either as effective as any other cop in a horror movie, that's for sure. That opening also re- just reminds, I, I, living now in this world that we live in, of how like zombie movies are pandemic movies. Yeah. And, it, and it's always a weird, I, I think it's a weird flip now of like thinking of them that way. Yeah, Yeah, that was the only thing that I was thinking about, like that I was starting to like critically think about with the character development. And some of this was, you know, we'll get there, but there's the COO of the uh, bus transit company or whatever that is that shows up as our our villain. And incredibly real character. He's incredibly real. You might have seen this and thought nobody's that awful. But now. Well, the fact that he's actually taking the threat seriously and not ignoring it. Yeah. That's where I'm like, hmm. But, you know, this is also like we do actually see zombies. So, you know, our our news did not give us the benefit of truly showing actual millionaires throwing actual people under actual buses. That was all implied. But um, in this movie, it's pretty, you know, it's text. Oh, yeah. It's super text. It's a header. Yeah, there, was um, not, there were several points in this movie where <laughs> my reaction was actually, mm. yep. Yeah, <laughs> those those are maybe the most horrifying moments here at the beginning as we start as we meet our actual main character, Siakwu, who will, will probably henceforth frequently be referred to as sad dad. He's a high powered businessman living in Seoul. He's in the middle of a nasty divorce and custody battle with his ex-wife over his daughter, Suan. She is, you know, staying at home with her grandmother while he is at home or while he is at work doing work stuff and not, you know, raising her. But he is very insistent on her staying with him and being raised by him and amongst his many business dealings there's a pretty nasty phone conversation between him and his wife because suan wants to go visit her mom in busan which is on the the south end of korea for her birthday and she's planning to try to go by herself on the train but after a, a tearful confrontation he finally agrees that he's he's going to take her uh, he does work stuff at the business factory he does work stuff in he the just business. loves that business factory. He's a businessman. He's a, a business plan. He's, he's got to manage the funds. <laughs> Which apparently involved this biotech company that has something to do with the zombie outbreak. This is a very minor plot point, but it still is effective because, you know. Well, yeah, still it lets us know that he, him, that Sakuru is himself personally responsible for this zombie outbreak. Yeah, I, he's not like directly responsible but it's close enough that like there's a conversation that's had between him and his flunky on the phone later on which essentially boils out to are we the baddies <laughs> yeah it's it's very much that <laughs> but it's also like you never get to breathe on that point really because uh, other all the other stuff is way more important as soon as we learn that he caused that he had a role in it it's like cool that do- that does no help in this um, problem of needing to survive the next 30 seconds yeah although he does have a moment with the like literal blood on his literal hands and he's like oh shit what causes the zombie virus is totally unimportant in this movie it is even on to the next thing yeah and it doesn't need to be you know we have this 
zombie outbreak is more of a 28 days later situation. We have very aggressive, fast moving zombies. Nobody's saying brains, nobody's shuffling. Although much like the T-Rex, their vision is based on movement. According to the Wikipedia article, so take that research as, as you will, uh, the movements for the zombies was largely inspired by Ghosts in the Shell and the nurses in Silent Hill. Uh, Go- Ghosts in wait. the Shell, huh? Well, the dolls do that. Uh, the dolls uh, Ghosts in the Shell. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have a lot, I think, in a lot of ways, more in common with, like, horror creatures that we see in you know, Japanese films like The Ring and The Grudge and stuff who, you know, yeah. move weird <laughs> in unsettling ways. And yeah, uh, real jerky, real jerky, like unnatural movements that you're just like, ah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, but like that. it's not, but it's not uh... a jerky yawn suck. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're all, we're almost to the train already. This movie moves fast. So they make the late night, early morning drive to the train station. Things are already going awry. There's a big fire. Uh, at the top of this Seoul high rise, and there's emergency crews out being dispatched. Uh, you know, Sue Ann puts her hand out the window to to catch some of the snow that's falling. It's it's ash falling that, from one of these fires. That hit um, me in a in a memory spot. Yeah, I <laughs> I bet California. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, oh no! Wildfire season. Yeah, that actually that movie came out right before the Tubbs fire, which is the, when. I went outside at like four in the morning and it was like raining ash just like that. So I was like, okay. And the, but the movie didn't betray me by being campy. That's the thing. It's like, I really want to say, you know, it really no, hits hard. Not, not a campy movie. This yeah. movie plays it very straight. And again, this is one of the most intense, chilling, tense movies you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah, so as they reach the train station, they're they're getting on this train. Uh, everything is going fairly normal until sort of two suspicious last-minute stragglers make it on the train. There is a, a crying girl who is obviously, from the moment she shows up, going to be her first on-train zombie. Yeah, she's already got, like, black tendrils going through her. She's all, like, she's already all bloody. You're going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's got... It's almost weird they try to throw us this red herring of this homeless man as, ooh, maybe he's the zombie when it's very clearly this girl who has been very clearly bitten and is turning into a zombie. The bait and switch where they have the uh, the complaint, the quote-unquote complaint, where a guy's like, I think someone someone odd is on. That's a translation. Uh, that's a true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, the, yeah. And, but I think that that's a very clever and telling bait and switch because they're not complaining about the girl who has been bitten by the zombie with the t-rivers or whatever it is they're complaining about the guy experiencing homelessness who is freaking out justifiably because you know he keeps saying like oh they're all dead they're all dead and everyone's like you know he's just muttering and you know he's he is reflecting upon the very visceral reality that is uh happening right now the one thing that did kind of get me as I was trying to rewrite this, you know, summary of what happens it is we don't ever really find out what's going on with the muttering paranoid man. He is not, he's not been bitten by a zombie, but he is before any of the zombies show up in the actual story, barricaded himself into this bathroom, muttering about how they're all going to die. 
Uh, so clearly he's seen some shit. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I presumed he came from wherever the bitten girl came from, but he wasn't bitten. Like that, he survived whatever you got her. Because clearly, Soul is already on its way to falling by the time they even get to this train. He was probably in the thick of it because as the the news cycle has now just started to pick up the rioting and well, yeah. The, incidents quote unquote quote unquote. i love this first like real zombie attack that we see that we only sort of half see as like yuan is looking out the window and you've got the guy sort of like walking along the train side of the train and then he just gets tackled from nowhere and you can't see what happens to him and she tries to look back and she's going to tell her dad but she doesn't know what to say to him and he's you know ignoring her already anyways she just doesn't say anything and uh it's so good. It's such a good little moment that like, you know what it is, but you can't, you don't really see anything. And it does really speak to that, that human way of just being like, if I not worry about it, it's going to go away, which is, you know, I'm going to put a pin in that. And when we talk about our progressive politics, we'll get back to it. So the sad dad falls asleep. I guess he's still, I don't know if he's bad or mad dad at this point. He's not sad yet. He's pretty sad. I mean, like there was this, yeah, he's an inherently sad dad. Yeah, like he, there's a scene where he watches uh, Suan's oh. recital that he she didn't show up for. That he didn't show up Ooh, for. Or so. cla- classic workaholic dad. Yeah. I'm so, glad to see this movie taking inspiration from its classics and its forebears. And in, in this instance, I am absolutely referring to the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic jingle all the way. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger misses his son's blue belt test in karate. I was thinking about Hook. Yeah, I was thinking it could be Hook. Uh, it could be Jingle. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good movie. So it's way funny if I say Jing- Yeah, it's way funny if I say Jingle all the way, which is a fucking piece of shit. Santa Claus. He's in a long. It's long not a joke if I reference Hook, a legitimately good movie worth taking inspiration from. Anyway, if so you dad falls asleep. So on gets up to find a bathroom and he uses this as an excuse to introduce the characters who will play important parts in this movie. As you know, we both follow her and then see stuff as it's progressing on the train. We get my favorite character, Sangwa, who uh, we've already talked about. I, I called him the badass in this with his pregnant wife, Seong Kyung, who are both fantastic. Oh, like they're, I, they're the real heroes. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the bad dad moment Saku had. When he's like, oh, shit, I need to get my daughter a birthday present. What are kids like? Great. And then he gets her another Wii that he already got her. He has just, a, she has another Wii, which is still in its box. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just the levels of just classic workaholic bad dad. Is there, wasn't the switch out by this point? Uh, let's see. It's a pretty now. late. It's a pretty late Wii situation. It should have been a Wii U, but who really wanted Maybe. to do that? Oh, no, it should not have been a Wii U. That would have said something in and of itself. We still would have been in the Wii U era, which means, yeah, Wii would have been the console to go with. <laughs> for like a PS, for whatever. I mean, um, this, this dad, obviously, this like dad absolutely like would have bought a Wii U. Yeah, dad, I got you one of the 12 Xbox Ones that existed in South Korea. <laughs> I mean, Suan is sullen. She's very sad. And Sokwoo is like trying really hard to sort of like patch, patch, 
Pat, I don't know what to do, but I'm trying my best. But, you know, that's also like a sad dad situation that uh, I, I highly identify with. So <laughs> it's the sad dad or the daughter here. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like congenital. Yeah, there's it's congenital it's, sad dadness. Generational memory. Yeah, it's a generational memory on both sides. You ever play uh, Assassin's Creed? It's like that, but for just bad dad moments. In the in the sad dad universe, it's not. It wasn't a. It wasn't a bad dad situation. It was a sad dad situation because it's important to note that sometimes dad just does not understand. Like you know, hun, I'm. I don't understand anime, but here's volumes two and eight of X nineteen ninety nine. I read in the New Yorker. It was drawn by women. Aww. Pat, Pat. So that's why I'm like. It's not like a specific example from your real life or anything. It's an Emily. It's just like. Of course it is. Pulled out of your, you, your pocket. This is part of my genetic memory that I experienced in my life. This was centuries ago. <laughs> yeah, back in. <laughs> but in this movie, you would just turn to look at your bookshelf where you have already one through eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was difficult because they didn't come with numbers at first. They were just like, you just had to know the steps in a orchestral suite in order to follow which one came after which. You know, this, you gotten better. Thank you. Anyway. So uh, we-, we have Sungwa, who's great, charming, sort of oafish, but uh, nice dude. Also, as we said, thick. Great suit. He's He's got a blazer, but he doesn't have a tie. Yeah. Also, he doesn't like... That, not a color guy. That was a fun manager. And it's great because him and Suan just shit talk sad dad <laughs> together. It's like, hey, hey, kid, your dad's kind of a piece of shit. And she's like, yeah, I know. And his, his wife is being a pregnant woman in the bathroom, which is uh, one of the hardest things to be in the world. <laughs> Especially, I would imagine, in a trained bathroom. We also get to meet the two old ladies, their sisters that are on this train. They will be around. They'll play an important part in this. Like we said, the real hero, the conductor, our stewardess, our cabin attendant, who is not long for this world. But it's got to do some great acting. Oh, yeah. In, in short order here. And her, uh, the train captain, who is a real weenie. <laughs> just don't, just gets taken for a ride. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he's trying his best. He has every opportunity to make the right decisions, and he never does. No. He's wearing a tie. I mean, it is a uniform. It's not his fault, but. Stops the flow of blood to your, the moral parts of your brain. Yeah. The part where they were using the tie to the like actual, their neckties to be xenophobic, I thought was pretty good. <laughs> when I do love their like, get more neckties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he never takes off his necktie. What I hated in this movie and by hated, I mean, oh God, this is so accurate, so true. I hate what this says about humanity is how in a crisis situation, the vast majority of people just defaulted to following the loudest and cruelest person. Yeah, the the vocal. Yeah, who we meet here, uh, the rich asshole, Yonsuk, he's the fucking worst uh, and he will just get worse. Yeah, and then of course we have... Our baseball team. Yeah, the baseball team. Man, they're the baseball they got a romance. They're not, oh, they're, they like each other, but they're not quite dating yet. And oh, they're sitting next to each other. Yeah. And poor Yongook is like trying to just be himself and take his time. And then uh, Ginny, the cheerleader, and apparently the only cheerleader here. Specifically, she's his cheerleader. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think she's actually a cheerleader. I think. 
they're just in like almost dating and she's like i want to go travel with my almost boyfriend yeah and then the all the rest of the team is like go out with her go out with her and he's like i for real though yeah this is not purely she's his cheerleader in like the what's the good in omi sense the he found himself a cheerleader you know not an actual cheerleader to the best of our knowledge she's got the skirt for it though i love her aggressive style of flirting where she's just like we're sitting together. You're not hanging out with the rest of your It's it, It's if flirting or just like, hey, date me. Yeah. It's you're like dating I, now. It's like, hey, I said I liked you. The least you can do is just be like, okay, we're dating. If I was her, I would also be confused because she is gorgeous and she seems to have a pretty good personality other than like, I don't know, that all the other guys like forcing the peer pressure of like, okay, yeah, that'll turn me off real fast. But, you know. Yeah. And well, if that actress is a former K-pop star, so. Okay, she did a great job. Everyone. There's no bad actors in this movie. Even the zombies. The zombies don't take me out of it. No, the zomb- these zombies require real physical acting that all of these people totally commit to. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to the zombies here real quick because we have the, the sick girl. She sort of limps around and collapses in the middle of the hallway and goes into spasms. And the stewardess tries to help her and she stops spasming. And so she's like, she's just trying to get a hold of her, of the train captain. And we see like this girl sort of rise up behind her awkwardly. And like, there are a lot of movies that don't do many female zombies. And when they do them, don't do them well. The women in this movie deserve like, massive amounts of credit because these two who are the first two zombies you know the stewardess and this girl are amazing and yeah will continue to be like very good throughout but yeah this this scene with her rising up behind her and then what comes out of that which is like the stewardess limping into the car with like this girl still on her back like chewing on her neck and nobody knowing what to do about it is like well it's the, it's the car full of the baseball boys yeah Baseball boys are, are watching one girl chew on another girl's neck and they're not sure what to do about that. At least they're not. I mean, I can't tell because there's a, there's probably a lot of hubbub going on that in, in Korean, which I don't understand. So maybe there were some comments, but I didn't hear any like cheesy comments about girl on girl, which I'm so thank you. Thank you, movie. Or thank it, you, subtitles. <laughs> I could see like an American Hillary being like, we can like we can do we can add this in punch up someone ADR it off screen yeah like or, a line about this it's like this isn't sexy like this is well I realize that everything's a fetish I was going to describe like everything's it's sexy to somebody but it shouldn't be well this yeah this is non consensual therefore yeah it's okay to kick shame army hammer and hannibal lecter but the guys are seriously like concerned like there's not a lot of there's not hooting and hollering and stuff like that no they are reacting appropriately to oh shit somebody is biting the neck out of somebody else yeah this is an assault although i don't want to pass up because i think this is before the zombie situation escalates which happens very quickly but there's this establishing moment with yong suk who is talking to swan swan's looking for the bathroom and then they find the guy you know freaking out about death and who is you know experiencing homelessness and stuff like that and uh, Yong Suk says, you know, you better study or you'll end up like him. And Suan looks him dead in the eye and is like, 
My mom says that that's fucking rude and you're an asshole for it's saying crazy. that. Anybody who says that shit is a bad person and you shouldn't listen yeah. to them. And he's like, your mom obviously crazy. didn't study very much, did she? Yeah, he's like, your mom just must have flunked out then. And he's like, and, oh, and oh, then oh, he oh. like touches her. Which yeah, is like so uncomfortable Ugh. when you're like, oh, so why are yeah. you touching a, a child beside yours? Yeah, God. So um, that character just gets worse and worse. The he whole gets movie. worse. And friends, he lasts a long time. Yeah, there is. He starts at the bottom and then just keeps fucking digging. Yeah, I mean, it makes for a great villain. He's further down. Yeah, yeah it's so bad. This is, this is about the point where. Uh, Sad Dad wakes up and realizes that Suan's gone. He decides to start looking for her when he sees the news on the train reporting all these riots and so in other large cities. It's about the same time all the zombie stuff is going down on the other train. And and shit goes bad quick. Like it goes from being this to this one zombie who is biting this attendant to like suddenly both of them are biting like three or four other people and it is a ton of zombies very, very quickly. This moves very fast. Yeah. Dad is coming down the, the road looking for his daughter uh, and passes the bathroom that she's in to see what the hubbub is and turns around to find her just as zombie shit is really going bad. He shoulder checks a zombie trying to get through this but can't quite get out because there's a zombie mauling another person right in front of him and uh, it takes badass dad getting involved to uh, you know help him get through. Him and his zombie wreckers called fists oh my god yeah zombie boxing how uh, i know it's okay. later on in the movie with the big three v zombies fight scene but just the scene where a zombie bites into his forearm padding and he just smashes the zombie up against the ceiling yeah that was like that was beautiful that was a moment watching this movie where I went, yes that character has beaten up so many people in his life <laughs> and he he's like this reformed probably gangster or boxer and it's just like i'm just with my wife now i i'm nice now but then it's just like all right i guess i gotta go do this again so i think it's that he's a martial arts instructor oh okay. Is oh, like really a, yeah i think that's what his like care what is like his occupation supposed to be well he also he had a background on him but he moves as somebody who knows what the fuck he's doing in a fight like oh yeah like he is the martial artist and when he just fucking sh- like elbow checks that zombie to save Suan and like in the train station fucking great and and the interesting thing here is that like this is all going down and the train is running you know so we get a really great escalation of like okay people are starting to see this stuff on the news you know the, uh, what they see on the news is rioting you know see anybody biting anybody but we see people like flailing on the ground and the thing yeah we'll see throughout the movie represent somebody who is becoming a zombie um, but the news is sort of misreporting it in the way that uh, news might oh yeah and then there's the whole government report where they're like everything is fine as far as we know everything's fine take it outside we have everything under control while banning shots of everything on fire oh uh, yeah yeah which is like Cool. Accurate. Thank you, movie. Fine. Yeah. So we we get this sturge of zombies, which happens a few times in the movie. But this time is very disconcerting because, like, you know, there's trying to get away from him and all of the zombies are running toward him at once and they just run over each other. And some of them, you know, pile up and go flying over each other. And it's it's a thing that the movie will do a few times and it's always effective. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
there's sometimes like it's one of the more noticeable instances sometimes of the movie using cgi instead of practical effects but when used well which it is in this movie it's always just like this real like holy shit like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck yeah. overwhelming like just That's... this mass of bodies just yeah coming towards and it you. never goes to back all around to ludicrous levels not naming any names world war z yeah, and that's something I want to mention about the zombies in this movie is that this is not um, excessively gory. We don't have guts falling out. We don't have brains falling out. We have what looks like the effects of coagulated blood. The, you know, the eyes become a little bit milky. They're almost like spice eyes instead of like, yeah, because their eyes go blue, which is interesting. I think with zombies, you have the advantage of like your brain can fill in the blank so easily into just it's the most gruesome kind of death. Like, yeah. I gotta be honest, I, if it's a vampire, I'm like, well, how much does a vampire bite hurt? I don't know. I got my flu shots every year. Is it like that? Is it like two flu shots in the neck? And then you start getting really tired? I'm not sure. But with zombies, it's like, oh shit, I am being just bitten to death. Like, multiple my no. whole body is just being ripped apart chunk by chunk by human teeth i'm like oh shit i can imagine that and it's just one of the most horrific things i can imagine yeah well and here we don't have like a lot of shots of people being devoured people are certainly bitten and gnawed on and we have a few blood spurts and you know there's a lot of bloody faces and things like that but it seems like it's more of a situation where someone gets bitten and then they turn yeah we really don't know like the zombie rules of this is like do they eat people or are they just like virus going after more hosts? I, mean, it seems I get that, that second one because people turn really quick in yeah. this movie. I get yeah. that does make more sense from a hard sci-fi element yeah. of being like, yeah, the virus would just give a shit about reproducing and spreading as much as they can. Why does this virus care if you're eating brains or like actually eating people or not? Yeah, Iris just wants you to make more viruses. There's this idea of like mental collapse, like, and in this case, it seems like the victims just like they want to bite, like that's it. They want to bite. Who ain't been there though on a Saturday night? Am I right? I mean, there's definitely a point in this movie where if I were one of the human characters, I would have been a person. Like something that happens very inconsistently in this movie, and it doesn't happen every time. It happens a few times is sometimes right before someone turns, you see them, like, change personalities or, like, revert, like, their, I guess, their innermost self. Because the grandma on the phone, right before she goes full zombie, just, like, she totally changes into this totally different, super bitter, hateful person. And then Yon Suk at the very end has his little moment of, like, look, he's sympathetic, too. And we're like, ah, still, fuck him. I'm talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't right. happen to all of them, but sometimes we get this like, oh, here's their innermost self right before they turn. Right here, we get, I think, a pretty good, unfortunate look at our uh, sad dad's inner self because he, he runs off with, with his daughter, gets clear of everything, and there's more zombies, but the pregnant wife and her husband who like doesn't literally just saved him, they're still in this car and the zombies are sort of on top of them. He does not do anything to save them. He closes the door with them still in there until, you know, Sengwa cleans out some of the, his in the area, manages to take down enough of them that he's just like, 
all right, fine. You can come in. He and say, what does not like that. Yeah, no, he's like, he's immediately put out, which I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. He will continue to talk shit throughout the rest yeah. of the movie. I, yeah. that has earned the shit that will be talked about him. Yeah, but, I feel like okay. this movie is a real, there, there's sort of this sliding scale where you've got just the real shitty corporate guy on one side and you've got Sangwa on the other side who is always jumping in to save somebody else. And our, and our main character, Sad Dad, is sort of sliding back and forth throughout the movie. Yeah. It's like, ah, will he be a good person and help other people or will he continue to be an asshole? Will he be a good dad or a bad dad? I really have to talk about uh, Song Kyung as she, which she gets through the door. Once, once she and Sangwa get through the door and they close it and um, Sangwa's holding the door closed and he's like, I don't know how to lock it. And then, you know, someone's like, I don't think they can really figure out how to work it. Yeah, because Th- Wu realizes that something about their how they're reacting, the zombies, is that they can see them. And Sun Kyung is immediately like, okay, cool. I got this. Like, I'm going to spray the thing with some, with some water and we're going to throw some newspapers on this door and they're not going to be able to see us anymore and we're safe. She okay, fucking paper mache's on her feet. Yes. It's very Here's important. Why? Very ready to be a mom. <laughs> Here's a big reason why, among many reasons why, this American remake that they're the last train to New York, I think is fucked. Because a lot of this movie relies on zombies not being able to operate basic doors and thus can't move from car to cart. But the trains here in New York just have this button you kind the big button you just kind of push into and the doors open. So I think the zombies will eventually just push, like push themselves into the button. And so I don't know how this fucking movie is going to work once the zombies can push themselves into whatever car they want. And I know yeah. they'll say like, ah, we'll change it. Fuck you. If I don't see absolute accuracy to the New York train system, I'm walking out the theater. <laughs> Goodbye, $25. Honestly, it's it's about, all things considered, it's about that now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Once you factor in the tax and the what you have, yeah. Certified rotten tomato. That tomato is rotten. Is that is that the thing that's happening? Last train to New York? It, trademarks have been registered. I'm, but no, like cast has been made there's no production thing i'm yeah, i know a lot of discussion about remaking it as they have with so many other especially just japanese watch train to busan just no. watch this movie read some fucking subtitles it's fine yeah because like th- this is a really interesting movie to watch because it was pre-pandemic and if we watch anything that we that they create any zombie movies created after especially something to do with in, like train infrastructure and public transit and stuff like that that's going to be a lot because the the public transit not so regular in this country um yeah, very being in the american south yeah it's uh, it'll probably be like sad dad is some kind of like DC government person. So then the train came so he could take the Amtrak from DC to New York. And that's that's the route. I'm predicting this plot judged solely based off my knowledge of the Northeast Amtrak of the Northeast Corridor. I don't know why I'd go to New York. That's a bad idea. As the pandemic will testify that it's an island. Zombies it's an island. Zombies can't cross running water. Everyone knows that. And these I mean, ones can't see in the dark. Yeah. 
visions based on movement. And everyone knows how Dark Manhattan gets at night. Yeah. It's a perfect plan. <laughs> Last train to Newfoundland. There you go. <laughs> Boom. We get a call from Grandma at this point. She is clearly bit and dying from the moment she starts talking. And she's, you know, glad that he's on the train and pleading with her with him to, you know, get his, his daughter to safety. And then she starts changing and hangs up the phone. And about the same time, also, we learned from the conductor that the first stop is canceled because this train station here is is overrun by zombies. And we get this uh, truly rough scene of them going through this train station and people who are like still alive there rushing the train to try and get in and just being immediately overrun by zombies as they yeah. they watched through the windows. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, because as they go through that, they, they're not stopping, but they slow down through the station, probably because the tracks are full of people freaking out. And also, I think it, it's normal for a train as it's going through a station to, you know, not be at like full top speed. I don't know about trains. Yes, Sacramento has the Railroad Museum, but those are all like locomotives and shit. I'm just saying. I'm not so, a train scientist. This is where we get... Uh, they're called trainologists. My bad. I haven't what? trained well enough. I didn't get my PhD in Thomas the Tank Engine Studies for nothing. I just seen, I just seen the creepypastas. I was a three-year-old, so like most three-year-olds, I had my requisite year and a half of just being fucking obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, uh, so Suan so wants him to stop and help these people. And uh, Suku has to explain to her that at times like this, you always look out for yourself, which she immediately is not into. But it's clearly something that he is currently living by. And they're, so they're going on to the next train station. This one is, is, has been taken over by the military. The military is going to escort them out, take care of them. They find out through various means, both the Sikwu and our, our shitty corporate guy both kind of find out that there is a uh, quarantine going on there. The Sikwu manages to talk to his people to like get them to tell him which way that he needs to go once they get in there to make sure that he and his daughter don't get stuck in this quarantine. And uh, as they pull up to the train station and it is completely empty, except for these, you know, barricades guiding them to this thing, he doesn't say anything to anybody. He just splits off to go this other direction with his daughter. And the only person who follows him is our uh, ranting man who has overheard this phone conversation and has decided he is coming with them. Yeah, he's like, I know I'm, I'm going with you. Not wanting to stay in quarantine. Yeah, definitely feels realistic now after this pandemic. Yeah. Well, and then th there were times where I was like, you have a little bit of a dystopian situation where like, you know, which comes up a bit later where they're like, is this a quote unquote quarantine situation or, you know, quote unquote crowd control situation? But we don't get to find out. This Although, here is the fucking scariest thing in the whole movie. I don't want to gloss over the bit. There was a little bit of the montage, the news montage earlier that had people dropping from helicopters. Yeah, I'm not sure. How many people are in these helicopters? There was so many people coming out of the helicopters. I, I have questions. Well, they were trying to get away or, you know, and the zombies were trying to get them. And were they like, were they, they, like, they were they already full of zombies? Did we, why did you launch the zombie helicopters? Were you trying to spread it? No, oh, they they were, it was so, very much like, yeah, airdropping zombies to yeah. spread it. it was like, I don't know like, what you were trying to do, but all you succeeded at was spreading this thing, the outbreak to way more places. I think what was, I think that was a pretty it great. Just dropped us to them with zombies. 
I think the zombies were just like hanging onto the rails, you know, and then like they lost their grip because they're zombies and, you know, they can't open doors unless they're. This is how flowers get pollinated. Fell onto the skaters below. Yeah, that that bit is is fucked up. But what really gets me is this bit in the train station. He is like he's left Suan at the, you know, at the crossing here so that he can investigate. Like there's this military guy down the hall. So he and. This other guy who's with him walked down there and he leaves his daughter there to see what's going on with this guy. At the same time, the scariest thing in this is like there, the rest of the group is going down this escalator to the quarantine zone. And you can see there's military boots and there's camouflage and everything as they go. But as it becomes, as they get further down, you can see that all of this military is zombified. All of these guys are zombies and they're starting to turn around as they see them right then and there and they're on a downward escalator right towards the zombies and which he which badass here pulls out a, a great move which is you know he grabs his wife and he's like hold on dumps her over the edge it's, all, it's also immediate it's just like nope <laughs> like we're going on the stairs we're doing, <laughs> yeah i love how everybody's on the escalator too because like after being on the zombie train, you're like, fuck, I'm not going downstairs. Yeah, dealing with stairs. <laughs> yeah. Zombies, I've earned the right to not use stairs. I mean, and I would, even though the place, first of all, the station is deserted. Second, there are very ominous things happening. So yeah, they are remarkably not on guard. <laughs> I mean, they are a little, little bit. They're like, oh. Oh, nobody's here. Okay. Well, reportedly that the military is there and they have things under control. And the conductor salute still on the train, making sure shit is under control with that train. It's his job. He's behind the train steering wheel or whatever you call it. And he is there. I guess you would just need a go button and a break because I guess you, you should be steering a train. It's on tracks. Sure. Yeah. There's the go and the not go. Yeah. You said that. Go button and box and he has to flip, start up the train later on. And then there's the brake, which uh, we'll talk about that later. Again, I'm not a trainologist. Yeah. But I I do want to talk about the, the part of this with Suan, where he sees that this one military guy at the end of the hallway is a zombie. And he turns back and sees everybody else running down the hallway behind his daughter. And his daughter's just standing there in the middle of all of it. He told her to stay there. And takes off running as fast as he can. Does not make it in time. This girl almost gets munched by a zombie. But luckily, badass dad is here again to save the day. And uh, jumps in and just fucking clocks the zombie. (laughs) Just toasts that guy. So I think it's right before this scene where we have the fantastic little conversation between Sangwa and uh, Suwon. Sangwa points to the uh, her baby bump and says, I made that. So Kyung is like, shut up. Big, we're pregnant energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> just such a proud dad. It's so yeah. sweet. And she's like, this motherfucker didn't figure out a name for the baby. So we're calling them sleepy right now. Anyway, so that was, it's a really great interaction and then right after that all hell breaks loose in the yeah they should they're running the uh, uh takes suan and, and jets were the train and the two dads and the baseball players all decide to hold the zombies back they're trying to like lock these glass doors 
coming out of the station, uh, which is not going well because I don't know anybody who's ever tried to lock any of those things. They're difficult to lock in the first place. Not to mention when there's zombies pressing on them. Shit's not going well. Um, yeah, they spend so long trying to lock these doors, which then shatter as soon as they successfully lock it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really just wanted them to take one of the baseball bats and shove them in the handles. Like That's what I thought. I saw them like I saw them pass a bar from each other, but maybe yeah. they were like, oh, no, it's a pole or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to conserve bars for hitting purposes, I would get that for sure. Yeah, so the, the first group of people that is just... It's mostly made up of characters we don't care about, has made it back to the train. And this is where the like giant picture window over the train smashes and zombies start, military zombies start raining on the train. At at which point I was like, fuck, I don't know. I'm kind of with these guys. Get on the train and get the fuck out of there. (laughs) Like, you know, I'd like to think I'd wait for the other people. But at the point the zombies start falling out of the sky, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, that's the point where, like, the scale of zombies is more because you're, like, in not a condensed space. And then it's just like, I, why? All of this sucks. Yeah. Uh, Ginny is saying, like, we have friends back there. You know, my friends are back there. I want to make sure that they're, we should wait for them. And then our baseball boys. Yeah, yeah all of our baseball boys. And then Yon Sook is like, they could be dead. They're um, probably dead. Who cares? Yeah. And then... The uh, the attendant captain makes the call to start the train moving. Now, again, like every decision is so revealing about people, like the degree of like, we should stay, we should go. When do we go? How long do we wait? Like at these split second decisions that just tell you everything. Yeah. Sok Wu manages to make to keep a zombie from biting him by using a book. So, you know. Power knowledge literature. is power of literature. Knowledge. knowledge is power. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah. He pulled a John Wick 3. I haven't seen that. John Wick 3 kills somebody with a book. Does he put it in his mouth? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Like the idea okay. that the character's name is John Wick 3. <laughs> um, John Wick 3 kills a man. So as. As Suan and Seung Kyung are getting down there with uh, one of the old ladies, and I think there's somebody else in this group, but I don't remember who. I think it's Song Kyung, Suan, and the and one of the old ladies, and then one of the homeless man. And oh yeah, the yeah. Uh, the homeless guy, and then they're all together. After he hears that phone call, homeless man is just like, "I am sticking with you, sad dad." Yeah. Yeah, but he did not stick with him to hold the door. He went with the red. No. Of them. No, he dipped. So they just jump on where they can get on. He is very much not part of Action Trio. <laughs> yeah, as, as they, they jump on where they can get on and then immediately realize they jumped on between two trains full of zombies. Uh, Which is horrific. Yeah. yeah. Horrific. <laughs> yeah, and a fantastic setup for, like, action movie problem solving. Yeah, and so they, um, they dodge into the bathroom and lock themselves in there. The rest of the group, with our... Baseball boys and sad dad and uh, action dad are all sort of running down, um, running down the stairs. The rest of the baseball boys get eaten. It's down to just uh, main baseball hunk and and the two dads. Uh, oh. the, train is, the train is moving. They got to run to catch up with it. We do see young gooks, like, because again, what I picked up, this being my second time watching it. And again, just this movie showing us through action who these people are so well. When his friends start to be in, we see 
what really becomes his fatal flaw and kind of his defining trait is that Jungkook freezes. He is the one who time and again freezes go back in the help. face of personal like, loss. Yeah, he, he is he is all ready to go try and help them despite the fact that they are done. They are yeah, like, currently being eaten. They're not just a little bit and they're in bad shape. So like watching it the second time, I felt like like every time we get a scene like when they're on there doing their action trio and they get to the cart full of baseball boys and all he can do is just be pushed aside so he's not in the way. I'm like, every time he freezes, this is foreshadowing his death. I so- do want to mention really quick, other important point. Two old ladies are separated. One of them is almost left behind, but I believe she's saved by the homeless guy. She winds up with every with the group in the bathroom. And the other old lady is with the main group of survivors. Uh, we will learn shortly through a series of phone calls that uh, the the action trio, baseball hunk, bad or a sad dad and badass dad, are all in car nine. The daughter and pregnant wife and uh, homeless man and old lady are inside the bathroom of thirteen. And then everybody else is in 15. So they have to go from 15 to 13, rescue their loved ones and this muttering man, and then get them to car 15, which they attack with verve by grabbing a bag full of baseball equipment. They start uh, taping up arms and fists and uh, the uh, sad dad had a stamp with the right shield. Yes. Which, again, another great moment from Thick Dad that he is running to catch up, but even then, like, he is thinking ahead. He's like, ooh, this riot shield will be useful. Let me slow down while I'm running so I can grab it and then catch up so we have, like, one more weapon. Like, this guy is thinking ahead. He is practical. He is badass. Thick Dad for president. Well. Yeah, he, he texts the zombie with that thing on the on the platform, too, and... Like a boss. Classic style. Yeah, so we've got... So good. We've got baseball hunk and his baseball bat, sad dad and his riot shield, and then the thick dad that just tapes up his fucking arms, and he's going to box some fucking zombies. He doesn't need a weapon. He is there to fight zombies uh, and chew bubble gum, and he's all out of bubble gum. (laughs) (laughs) We learn a lot of lessons about the zombies very quickly here, which is that they're attracted to sound. They can't see in the dark. Uh, and they completely lose track of you if you're quiet and it's dark. They beat ass through that first car. They don't pause. They don't hesitate. They just throw zombies every which way. And they get to the second car. And it's, as Emily mentioned, full of zombified baseball boys. And uh, baseball hunk can't do it. Can't beat his men. Can't beat his boys with his baseball bat. Yeah, he, I mean. He can't beat off his boys. Hmm. <laughs> That's the mm. right way to say it. I said what I said. We, we've all been there. I mean. I try uh, to find light in a movie that just fucking kicks you in the guts over and over. Like, mm-hmm. so often with these horror movies, the characters are either thin enough or outright detestable enough that you enjoy just the carnage or the creativity of deaths. Like, this movie, the characters are so real and so three-dimensional. The acting is that, so good. And the acting's so good that every death just, like, kills, just, like, eats at you. Like, it, it 
hurts. This movie is so effectively gut punching in a way that almost no horror movie is. Just like Thick Dead, he's very effective at gut punching. Yeah. Yes. That's the thing about this uh, is that with this particular scene with the uh, the baseball boys, there's not a lot of like we're not hearing like tears for fears play every time a zombie falls you know things happen like that later on we're not just like oh, 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 oh. you know as some movies might do if they're like this, this is sad okay it is a very pragmatic zombie situation but when the door opens and you see the team zombie and around and you see the baseball hunks reaction and that's all you need to be like Fuck. And you see the dads are both like understanding is like yeah we got it guys. yeah this is we're very He's just sitting in the back, like being like, uh, uh, you know, holding on to his his uh, baseball bat like it's a teddy bear. And, you know, he's watching like the destruction of the Titanic or some shit. And then like the dads are just like, OK, got to beat these ch- children, essentially. And this really like what you all said, especially what you said, Ben, about the the way that this movie gut punches you. This is one of the reasons that I'm not usually a fan of zombie movies is because when i think about zombies i think about this i think about like okay your relative or friend or person that you know and love baseball bro your baseball bro that you can't beat off the the, thank you they are dead but alive and there is this really sad connotation to that because you're seeing somebody that is you know they're not who they were again this is all sounding like me after a full week of commuting to and from day job that's what i'm saying like i i come into these zombie situations i'm me but i'm 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 not dead but i'm not quite alive i'm me but i'm worse and i can't move right question is would you be able to murder ben on a monday morning no no i can i'm like i fucking i can't like if oh i'm like it's so tired that's why like i see these people and i'm like shit and i feel sorry for the zombies and so many zombie movies are just like here's a shoot em up beat em up kind of thing like okay we're gonna shoot some zombies we're gonna run over them with a there's no guns truck. there's oh, no yeah. guns in this movie that's, like, that's or, another... no, there's guns but none of our main characters fires a gun at a yeah, zombie this isn't first person shooter masturbation this isn't like okay, we're going to go around and kill a bunch of people that are attacking us in satisfying ways. Like, that's not, you know, there's no, like, fun gore or whatever. That's what I actually noticed this time around is that they're, you don't really see, like, explicit zombie deaths. They're just, like, beating zombies up to get through. (laughs) Like, they're they're not really hard to kill. Yeah. Yeah, because they're people, because they're human bodies, and humans are actually relatively durable, despite what horror movies might tell you. Like, there's a there's a scene coming up where that is really driven home. They're making their way through the the baseball zombies, and they this is where they realize that when the lights go out, they can kind of sneak past. They can't see them. So Sad Dad actually steps up and figures out that if he uh, steals uh, steals Thick Dad's phone and uh, calls it rude. at the other end of the train, Sad Dad been an art. All the he's teaming up with Baseball Hunk and Thick Dad like. He helped keep the door closed, like Thick Dad saving Suan. Like that made uh, like uh, that activated some character arc stuff. He is less selfish, sad dad, but yeah. he still takes. He still uses the other guy's phone and basically forfeits the other guy's ability to communicate. He's like, "I'm gonna keep my phone." 
but I'm going to use your phone as the decoy. And also shit talks his ringtone. Yeah. yeah. His ringtone is so tacky. I love Dick Dad's response to this is like, what is, is there something wrong with it? Can you change it? I don't know. I, I, I think that shows that his wife ch- changed his ringtone to whatever it is. And he just doesn't know how to do it. It's like, oh, my wife picked it out. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Also, if you notice, it was, I think he had like the image of, of the ultrasound on his phone. Aww. Yeah. But I think it's one of the cool things about the zombie situation in the tunnel is that you see how the zombies are distracted by the flashing lights as they pass in the tunnel, which is a really great use of atmosphere. Because at first they use the tunnel as sort of an anticipatory beat where they're like, okay, when we get out of the tunnel, because we can see once we get out of the tunnel, then we'll attack. They go through another tunnel and they see that the zombies are confused by the flashy lights. And that's when they start using that, that technique. And then they realize, you know, they get on their feet. They realize that the zombies are you know, have a limited vision capability. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're getting ready to charge. Thick Dad is getting ready to charge into this next car, which is the, the car that the that everybody else is in, in the bathroom. And said that is like, wait, hold on. Pulls up the train map on his phone. And he's like, look, we're about to go through a tunnel right now. He just, he does some math on his feet. He uses his, you know, money management skills. And is like, okay, he's we're going to this train is here so in like two minutes we're going to go through a tunnel and we can like get in there and, and get them while we're in the tunnel it's some straight up sat question math problems they should write them like this like you're on a train to busan and you know your train is moving at 140 kilometers an hour and you have a tunnel that is such such kilometers long and you need to get through it and pass all the zombies how long, how long does it test the zombies? Yeah. yeah. How long do you have like going this long? If the tunnel is this long and you're going this fast, how many minutes of darkness do you have to sneak past the zombies? Yeah. So take notes. This is also one of my favorite scenes where uh, Thick Dad opens the door and his wife is standing there. And his, he just sort of like raises his eyebrows at her. And it's just like, you know, announces their presence and she punches him. And he, has, he shushes her. He does like a, a not quite a shave in the haircut knock, but you know, definitely something that would in, indicate that he is not a zombie because he has a regular rhythm. Their relationship is adorable. Yeah. yeah. So good. So they, they get them out and they decide that the thing to do since this next, this next train car is so crowded is that while they're in the dark in the tunnel, they're all going to, now that they have, you know, an old lady and a child and a pregnant woman with them, they're all going to crawl across the luggage racks at the top of this, like, train car to get to the other side. And this is so, so nerve-wracking. Well, and think about Song Kong, who has, who's, like, pregnant, and she has to crawl. There's so many points where she has to crawl in this movie, and I was like, girl. Oof, right? Um, again, this is the most physical strenuous physical activity i think i've ever seen a pregnant lady do in a movie it's crazy how far she's running and jumping and climbing and crawling yeah and it, you see it like take its uh tack you know you see the the take it on. takes a toll you, you see it take a toll on her especially the next bit going go right <laughs> or the well the oh i mean you really see it at the very end where she's so oh yeah exhausted that the soldiers are like i'm not sure yeah and we get the song and then they're like 
All right, we think it might be one of them new singing zombies, but uh, we'll double check. Okay, so they get to car 14. Car 14 is clear, but just as they're getting in there, the light comes back up, the zombies rush the door, and they're not able to close the door. Like, the zombies, one of the zombies sticks their head halfway through the door. So, like, they're fighting to try and keep the zombies back, and the door closed. Both the dads are, are holding this door. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the passengers in uh, 15 have tied the door shut on the other side out of fear from this, uh, you know, this one rich asshole has, has spread this idea that, like, these people coming from the back of the train are going to be infected, and they're going to come in and get them all killed. So, like, you've got this old lady and this little girl and this pregnant woman who are trying to get in to this car and they they won't let them in baseball hunk is trying to beat his way in but they're not letting him through and the, the two dads are doing their best to hold this back and he's the daddiest line of defense uh, the dad <laughs> daddy defense adjusts his grip and gets bitten by a a zombie as uh as sad dad is like we're talking about gore this is probably the goriest that the movie gets because sad dad is Beating the shit out of these zombies with this baseball bat. He is like whacking them as hard as he can and they're not going down. He can't clear this door. Our hero, Thick Dad, gets like gets bit. Yeah. And uh Thick Dad. Emotion. She's stepping towards him and then he's like, No. This is ah Yeah, no. no. The this second movie's so good and it's so sad. The second that teeth hit his hand, both Brett and I were like, no. It's like the bite is just, it's so instantaneous that you get these moments where it's just, it takes so little for the world to just drop out from under you, where it doesn't need to be guts ripped out. It just needs to be like, oh shit, a bite to the hand. Like it's just as bad as guts ripped out. And the two dads just look at each other and they're like, fuck, we know what we have to do now. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you've got to take care of her. you got to make sure she gets out of here and she gets safe. I'm counting on you. I'll hold them back. And the zombies end up breaking through this door and he literally just scoop slams one of the zombies and like does like a lateral press on the zombie against the other zombies and is slamming them back through this doorway. You know, pushing using the tide of zombies back. And then as they uh, the rest of the party escapes, he calls out the baby's name that he's finally decided on, which is, I believe, Yun Suan. Yeah. So it's really fucking sweet <laughs> and really fucking hard. It's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Now they're both sad dads. So uh, I think. Okay, so now that they're still trying to get into the other, uh, they managed to like break their way into the other. Car. Yeah, they break the glass of the car, but there's like two doors, so they yeah. just the first door. Uh, then yeah. they get in through the second one. Yeah, everybody yeah. else makes it through except yeah. girl lady gets lets everybody else go first. Lets the you know girl and the pregnant woman go first, and she gets nabbed by some zombies and goes down and. Shit gets uh, serious on this other train real fast. As uh, as said, that has the exact reaction I would have when he gets into that train, which is he sees this rich asshole that was blocking the door so that his daughter couldn't get through and beats the shit out of him. I do like that the old lady's sister has kind of a Jonathan Kent Man of Steel moment where she's like, no, don't save me. Yeah. And her sister, who's been like sitting with the group within the car, she's just in shock 
because she thinks that her friend is dead. And then she sees her friend and she's like, oh, you're alive. And then she's now dead for real. Gets to watch her die. Yeah. So it's. And we see the sister later as a zombie. And it's the one zombie who's not like this snarling, twisting monster. There's just something like, like this lost, sad look about the sister. And I have a theory about this, about how these zombies work. We'll get to it at the end. Cause I, yeah, think I mean, it, so between baseball girlfriend and the other, now I'm sitting now I'm like, in suspense. We'll talk get, about it. Get everybody into the car. We'll talk uh, about it. Dead, dead beats ass. And then the rich asshole reacts by being like, Oh, he's infected. They're all infected. They can't stay in here with us. And uh, of course, train captain sides with him and the rest of the people go right along behind him. So they send it's like this group up to the vestibule between the front car and then the engine ahead of them. They leave the rest of this group behind and they go basically stand in this area that's just meant to pass through between, you know, the car and the, the engine. And this, the remaining old lady, she sees her sister through the glass and uh, she's had enough of this shit. And she uh, walks up and just opens that door and lets the zombies in and, uh, as far as we know, at this point, they devour everybody that's in that. Our group just sees, like, the shapes of people running and screaming in the I, next car. Look, the the one thing that I already, did... I think the, the most important part to this scene, to me, is those people have already tied the door shut so that these people, so that our group can't get back in. And they end up tying themselves in with the zombies at this point. I don't get this punishment they're supposed to be giving are an untrustworthy main characters where it's like we can't trust you to be here quick you have to go to the safer place with extra protection and the space away from yeah we're zombies. gonna lock you and we're gonna lock us inside here yeah it's, for- it's like god this feels like when high school and my track coach would punish me with less running and i'm like this was the goal all along <laughs> Well, I think it is of something poignant about xenophobia, you know, how, mm-hmm. honestly, it it's about isolating yourself and making, but also making yourself vulnerable when you think you're making, you're protecting yourself, you know? So that was just a really great little vignette about that. And then the younger of the two sisters, or at least the more made, she has a little bit more makeup. She looks younger. I don't know. They, they're both fantastic. Both beautiful women. Bless. But she just goes nuts because she sees all this xenophobia happening and she's like this is what we did this is what we're doing now fuck this and i remember at the very beginning of the movie she says something about how back in the old days rioters were quote-unquote re-educated so there's a lot going on with that woman and i really like how she did something really fucked up and she was just nuts. Like she just like she was traumatized. She was done. She essentially just pressed the nuke button. And that it was its own little story about trauma, as well as the the greater vignette she was in about the xenophobia. Anyway, beautifully done movie. Yeah. And that is that is cleared us of all our peripheral cast. All of our meat shields for this are out of the way. We're down to just uh, core cast members left. We have sad dad and daughter. We have pregnant wife. We have baseball hunk and girlfriend who still survived. We have a paranoid homeless man and uh, conductor who is still still 
driving that train and they're, they're almost to Busan. They're coming into Busan, but the first stop in Busan is blocked and they can't like the tracks are blocked. They can't get through. So the conductor comes on and tells them like, we're going to have to go to the far left track across these several other tracks full of stopped trains and get on this one working train. And that's the only way we're going to be able to make it through here. Godspeed and good luck. Yeah, he straight up says, good luck and Godspeed. He's like, I will figure out the conductor solution. And he also manages to stop the train before it hits because he sees the smoke. And it's really close. I mean, it's like a car, one car's length between that and the uh, obstruction, which is like a bunch of freight cars that have, have been toppled. Um, this man never abandons his responsibility to get as many of his passengers to Busan as he possibly can. Yeah. He doesn't get very many of them there, but he is a hero for how hard he tries. I mean, to, to, uh, down to his, his own life, he tries. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, two, I thought you were going to say, I was, I was going to say I'd give him two and a half. Yeah. I was gonna get two and you, a half got, you got two and a half people, which considering the circumstances, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff he was working against. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has his own little adventure here. He dodges through trains full of zombies, he comes out the other end and makes it to the station. He starts to open one, but then that's, that's got another zombie conductor in it. So he goes for the other one. He gets this train started up and everything. It's, it's, you know, it, it's working. He's just got to get it moving so the people can, can get to it. And as everybody else starts to, get off the train they're doing pretty well getting through this rail yard until another engine comes through on fire to the station plows through these other trains and knocks one over onto another one and that's what the that's what the animated prequel should have been about where the fuck did this on fire train come from i well that on fire train train, means some shit that that train was an example of what could have happened with that conductor should like yeah. if he was that had at- a non-hero conductor the only people that we see get out at this point are baseball hunk and girlfriend who take a run through this whole thing they're you know getting through the the various trains uh they're making a run for it but it turns out they're not the only ones who are alive because rich asshole and train captain have barricaded themselves in the bathroom in this as they let everybody else get eaten in this room and <laughs> rich asshole is like, all right, we got to make a run for it. You go ahead and go first, which is the dumbest shit this guy could have ever done. Right. Fucking train captain. captain. What are you doing? What are you doing? Out the door and, and rich asshole just shoves him into the crowd of zombies and goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he literally throws people under the zombie bus. Yeah. He is multiple Do- times. So up until this point in the movie, we've seen people act to not save others. This is a whole turning point where the character is actively killing, uh, like, innocent people. Yeah, he murdered murdered that dude. He murders people to give himself even the slightest better chance for survival. Yeah, so he he crosses several of the tracks, gets into the train that baseball hunk and girlfriend are in, and shoves girlfriend back into the zombie's mouth, basically, to save himself, and keeps going. No, again, it's the maliciousness. It's the intent. It's not just shoved her out of the way so he could get by. It's actively grabbed her and threw her into the zombies. 
I, oh, he's such a despicable villain. Yeah, and Yonggook is the our baseball hug is distraught, and he he, he almost saves her. Other than the fact that she's bit, like he gets her away from the zombie, but she's already very bit and dying and turning, and he just cries and holds her until she turns into a zombie herself and takes him from a metaphorical snack to a literal snack. <laughs> yeah, this is the culmination. This is the Fuahidi doesn't get over. Like, he rose. He just collapsed. Like, he made no attempt to survive past her. And again, and I think there's something horribly, tragically romantic about that. And there's that whole reading of it where it's just pure, like, this teen romance tragedy, which I'm into. Here's this guy who is of our main characters, the quickest to break. And now what he had left is gone and he is just shattered. Like there's no will for him to survive. Yeah. It's similar to the old lady in the train that was wanted to reunite with her sister. And so, and also like wreaking zombie vengeance. Yeah. There was the main level of like the fuck. Yeah. I feel like the fuck these people like was the main message I got from that. Yeah, but it was still, there was still a, a bittersweetness there where she's like, I'm done. And, you know, and, but yes, that I got more of a, I don't want to live on this planet anymore vibe <laughs> from her. And she meant it. Yeah. And, but Yongook is very, it's just sad. Yeah. This is a boy shattered by sadness. Oh, it's like barely. Dead. And also, this girlfriend who is clearly too good for me, who probably also thought like all the other dudes are, are dead. What yeah. kind of, what, are, what do I have? This yeah. movie makes me so sad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This movie is like pain. Yeah, this is this is some like Greek tragedy shit here. All right, so we, we get back to the rest of our cast. We're not dead. They're just trapped between two trains. So, so we've got sad dad and his daughter and uh, pregnant wife and paranoid homeless man. They are, are pinned down. This one car has fallen over and is leaning against the other car and they are stuck between them. Uh, oh, when he wakes up and the zombies are just fucking right there in his face. Yeah, we have one of the uh, one of the train cars the full of zombies is above them. So they're sort of in this A-frame situation where they're on the ground and the... The, the zombies are diagonally over the top of them banging on the windows trying to get out. And it is it is immediately hopeless, but... He, he finds a way, he finds space where he can see daylight under the train and crawls under through the rocks and uh, gets to the other side. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as he does, a large chunk of metal falls between him and his daughter and he can't get the rest of them out. And he is trying to pull this thing out. It's incredibly heavy. He's having a difficult time because Thick Dad isn't there to lift it anymore. Uh, <laughs> He just has to sad dad his way through it. But meanwhile, like one of the train windows busts and zombies start flooding into the space. And our muttering man takes a real, takes a real hero's moment and grabs a bunch of the, you know, hanging wires and charges into the zombies and starts, you know, tying them up and doing whatever he can to keep them from reaching the the pregnant woman and the little girl. He wants that thick dad heroic sacrifice, Glory. There's a lot of sacrifices. Is this what we yeah, yeah. It takes a lot to save just a couple people. People either sacrifice or get sacrificed in this movie. Yes. Yeah. So Sad Dad gets the metal out of the way, gets the woman and his daughter out, out from under the train, and they are making a run for it. 
As the train falls over and all of the zombies start spilling out and start running after them, and they can see the the engine that the conductor has started. It's rolling down the line. The conductor, meanwhile, sees Rich Asshole running across the tracks, goes to save him because the, the rich guy steps bad on the uh, tracks and falls down. The conductor runs up to save him, tries to pull him up. He falls down. The rich guy leaves the conductor and runs for the fucking train. And the conductor is like screaming for help. He looks back at him and then just keeps going for the train. And so the rest of our crew, we're down to three, are uh, running for the train. Dad jumps on and pulls the, or, you know, pulls everybody else up. The Suan grabs the train. She actually pulls everybody up on the train. I just want to mention that she gets a little uh, day in the glory light or glory in the daylight. I, she gets her moment of heroism, which I think is great because for most of the movie, she's the kid that everyone's trying to save. But this time in this last bit of, or I should say, I'm losing vocabulary. It's it's the infection. The Inuma. <laughs> in this final moment, the 11th hour, it is Suan that saves them. And it may be a brief moment, but I just think that's important because she did have agency there. That is quickly washed by the craziest stunt in this movie, which is like one of the zombies grabs the edge of the train, but he can't keep up with it. So falls down, still holding on to the bar of this thing. Another zombie grabs onto him and they start like falling over on top of each other and grabbing onto each other. And eventually there's like dozens of zombies dragging behind this train and they're like jumping on and ru- crawling and running across each other, trying to get to them. <laughs> Sad dad is, is kicking for all he's worth trying to knock these zombies down, almost gets tackled by a couple, finally kicks these guys off, you know, cause they're dragging down the train at this point, but he finally managed to get them so off. Much. They are holding on so hard and the, the zombies climbing across each other. Yeah, it's the, down like ah, wild. The aerial shot of all of them being chased by the zombies, and then this like giant pile of bodies that is being dragged of of, of undead bodies is being dragged behind this uh, locomotive, I guess, whatever you call it, the the one that goes the choo choo mobile. Across America was like what? I said, is this what hands across America was like? Yeah, oh, right. That was, that was us. Yeah, so he he kicks the last of them off, and they are safe. Every, the three of them are safe. They've made it. No more problems. No more issues. They're gonna go inside the uh, the engine here, and everything's gonna be fine. Except all credits. Except the end. Everyone is fine. Except rich asshole isn't here. He has survived, but he didn't come out unscathed. He is looking pretty fucking rough. And starts begging the dad to get him home because he is regressed to this point that he is remembering himself as a little kid. He is trying to get home to his mom. Uh, he is giving him his address from when he was a little kid. And dad is like, look, man, you're infected. You're, you're not going to make it. And he realizes this a second before he just turns and starts coming after him and we get a, a full-on duel of the fates battle across this ties himself by a chain to the train and grabs him and just pulls him over the edge with him 
and like the railing of this train car as he's trying to keep him from biting the other two. He gets bitten oh, by this guy. <laughs> and then in order to get off the train, ties himself by a chain to the train and grabs him and just pulls him over the edge with him. And like the chain holds him to the train and the uh, rich asshole goes bouncing backwards down the tracks. Which I guess we need the goodbye, but I'm like, you've already been bitten. You could just go with him, save yourself some time. I know you got to do the emotional goodbye. So he has to, he has to explain to pregnant wife what a labeled break is. Mm-hmm. It's labeled in English. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Maybe she can't both speak into the engine and be like, Hey, look, this thing that says break, this is a break. When you want it to stop, you need to pull that. But we need the final moment with the daughter. We did. No, this movie would be, it would be, I, I laugh or I'm like, you could have just gone over. No, this ending would be very unsatisfying without the goodbye of the daughter. Yeah. And dude wants to make the best of his final moments. You know, he wants to be like, okay, everything in order. everything set. Okay. He, you know how to do the train. Cool. He tells her to take care of this other woman. Um, she <laughs> stay with her, which is not so what he's telling her at the beginning of the movie to just look out for herself. Oh, this last bit here with him and his daughter is heartbreaking because this actress is so good. This little girl is devastating. Yeah, she's crying. Sort of devastating. And then I'm he, gearing up just thinking about it. So yeah, she's like, I mean, she starts crying. Her her like heart rending sobs begin the second that she sees him get bit, and she's I, calling for him. That's re- I really like that about it. That it's just like she already knows everything is going on. So it's like, oh, he's gone as soon as he's bit. Yeah, which makes it almost like more like, well, I mean, it definitely makes it more sad, but especially for her, because she's like she she really, really wants him to stay. And this is also important because at the beginning of the movie, it's this whole there's this whole dynamic where she would prefer mom and all this kind of stuff. And then there's a point to leave. She doesn't want anything to do with him. She wants to go live with her mom. Yeah. And there's a scene between him and Sanqua where they're like, you know, you got to be a dad. You know, sometimes they want to see their, they want their moms more, but it's tough. Gotta, it's tough, but you got to be a dad. You know, she'll understand when she's older why you did this work for her. And that, that scene by itself was really rough too, because he was like, do I sound cool? <laughs> and then, there, it was like this. He really wants to give an inspirational speech. He's not sure if he's nailed it or not. It's just like seeing the big tough guy be vulnerable is another thing where I'm like, oh, they're they're bonding over bats. So this, so this last bit, she is wailing at the top of her lungs, begging him to stay. He is walking to the back of the car, and as he's as he's transforming, as he's losing himself, he's having these. Memories of her being born and uh, everything that led up to this, their lives together. And uh, he's he smiles as he, you know, drops off the back of this train and leaves them. It was, it was rough watching this. I was like, <laughs> I want this to be okay, too. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I was not okay. I was like, I, I was, you know, got the big hawk and like handkerchief and blowing my nose and yeah you right now yeah 
Welcome to Progressively Horrified. I think this is the first episode where we have fucking cried over the film. Mm-hmm. It was so good. <laughs> it's really fucking sad, y'all. Yeah, like, oh, you know, the scene where he's like smiling and his eyes are, you know, his eyes are fading and his, you know, the, the, the zombie shit. Oh, and then so they finally get to the Busan tunnel. The gates at the tunnel are kind of on fire and there's some bodies. It's blocked. So they stop the train and they've kind of carefully disembark and they go into it the dark. It was that zombie going from the, the ground. Yeah, the sort of a zombie twitch. And you see them go like enter the darkness of this tunnel and that's where I thought the movie was going to end because of just how rough it had been. And I'm like, I guess, you know, they're going to go for the question mark. But no, they don't. They, you know, we get one we last. Get, we get some solace. Well, well, we do get solace. We get one last moment of suspense where we yeah. do have the military on the perimeter watching the tunnel. Maybe two see- people shambling through the tunnel because... I mean, they're They've fucking destroyed. They've had a bad time. It's been a, it's been a day. Yeah, there's a woman and a child, and they're silhouetted. They're in the middle of the tunnel, even though they've got you know they've got their scopes and they've got their uh, their binoculars, but they all they see are silhouettes of. Totally, there'll be a, a better way to to verify, <laughs> or like a sign posted in front of the tunnel or something. I don't know these. These fucking zombies move fast. That's fair. Yeah, and you know the the zombies when they're confused to kind of seem like normal tired people i mean but suan saves them by reciting her song that she was going to recite for her dad in completion and of course zombies can't sing so except for singing zombies that's a different movie (laughs) i don't know which one but it's a golden song yeah, it's uh, all we want to do is eat your brain. Broadway, where's Dawn of the Dead, the musical? I, yeah. I can't be more than a few years away from it. Yeah, but her song alerts the soldiers to the fact just as about they're, they're, as they're about to squeeze that trigger. Um, People are alive. They're, they're alive. I definitely survivors. could believe that this movie could be so dark as to just kill everyone off. Oh, yeah. We're down to two from a very large cast. Yeah. The second that Song Hua went, I was like, oh, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. Cool. But, you know, they survive as far as we know. Apparently there's a sequel, but. I I looked briefly at the sequel or like the Wikipedia article and they don't return to it. It's just set in the world. Yeah. It's soldiers in Busan, I believe. Um, yeah. Neither of. um. Our survivors return. Like, they live happily ever after. That's nice how- long lives. Yeah. Yeah. The end. Everything's great. Da 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 da. Yeah. It also turns out that this song that she's been saving for her dad is uh, Aloha and uh, is all about sad, sad leavings and seeing each other again sometime. That sounds very fitting for Basically. this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good choice. Good choice, movie. Very good performance, too. Oh, that it was heartbreaking. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. So good. Crying and singing and stumbling through that tunnel. God. I want to hug this little girl. girl. Stop. Yeah. All right. So I think 
And that, I mean, that's the end of the film. As far as talking about our social issues in this film, I think the one that stands out most strongly to me is the Clax stuff, right? Absolutely. That one. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. From the vignette about xenophobia and the CEO trapping the survivors who have fought their way here in the vestibule. And then to the explicit message of fuck hedge fund managers. Yeah, exactly. And then the homeless man who is not paranoid. Jeremy, he kept calling him paranoid. And I'm like, he's not paranoid. He's just. Yeah, he has a very accurate. Shit. Yeah, his, <laughs> his view on events is very accurate. Yeah, like he's, if anything, he's been taking this seriously from the get go more so than other people have. But. If anything, you know, he's overly relaxed about the situation. Yeah, he, but he shines as a character. He is, he turns around and as the main characters recognize him for the human that he is instead of um, something that you just like ignore as like a lot of people who are experiencing homelessness or just become part of the landscape to people. Or in the case of our, our asshole literally blame him for his own situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Assume he is where he is because he did not study enough. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what did you think about the the class stuff in here? What I, I really like when zombie movies... I mean, yeah, most zombie movies do have that sort of uh, social aspect to them where they're trying to get a point across, and especially this one of, yeah, definitely classism and how our main villain is just this rich asshole who's only thinking about himself. And doesn't want to help anyone. And our hero is starts out that way. And then it's just like, okay, no, like he he understands that there's more to life than just being all about yourself. Yeah, I think despite being Korean is very much in the George Romero tradition of zombie movies as metaphors for classism. Yeah. And then you also have that the the zombie movie setup, which is here's the expendables. I mean, this is this is part of the George Romero, but to be explicit about it, you know, you have the corporate whatever doing their corporate things with their corporate money and then basically creating a problem and everybody else, you know, all of the majority of people who are essentially like the essential workers and the lower class people are paying for it. And we see the dehumanization, like the literal dehumanization of them from the corporate standpoint. And that's one of the things that I have an issue with with a lot of the zombie movies is that there's a certain point where it's not about that. It's not about the monstrosity of the dehumanization. It's just about like, let's kill a bunch of zombies. There's no catharsis in any of the de any of the zombie fighting in this movie. Like there's moment, there's little moments where it's like, you know, when Really, we get some awesome action with our action trio, but for the most part, there's not, ooh, headshot, cool deaths, and now, like, we feel good. Like, we get, like, just straight-up catharsis. Yeah. And there's no, like, talk between anyone of, like, are these guys dead, or should we even care about that? It's always just, like, no, like, I mean, it's just surviving at this point. Yeah, this movie... Again, to compare it to another movie, zombie movie, we've compared it to and in the Apocalypse, which, again, do not take this as a one-to-one -one comparison. These are movies with wildly different tones and goals and aims that they're trying to do, but there's no Ben Wiggins riding up in this movie to do a three-minute, like a four-minute musical number. 
about how much fun killing zombies are and how awesome he is at. Yeah, and that's when that's played as comedy. Like, that's the comedy. Like, it's the reflection of just how ridiculous it is to be like, yeah, killing zombies. This is a hero's world or whatever. You know, like, no, this is the Train to Busan is a 500% tragic. And even our fucked up, horrible villain that lasts too long and you want him to have, like, you want him to explode the way that like the dude in RoboCop like melts and explodes and whatever, you know, like you want him to have like this horrible, horrible death. What he ends up being is just to quote a friend of mine, a sad, broken man dealing with the consequences of his own actions. And that's it. Like he, and it's not necessarily sympathy. It's just like he, he created the situation and now he is suffering for it. And he is suffering in a very realistic way. Yeah, like he, he dies as like a scared little boy. Yeah, this is a welcome to Raccoon City, as we've said before. He doesn't inject Thank himself goodness. with something that's turned into a giant evil mutant to attack Thank the train. Thank goodness it's not welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, for starters. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, do we think, do we think Train to Busan is feminist? It's one of those movies where I, I don't think it's not feminist, right? It certainly takes the time to give the, like, first of all, as you said, Jeremy, we have equal opportunity zombie horde, right? And then we also have some women characters that not only are the survivors, but also have agency. You know, they're, they're thinking on their feet. If we could have some of them beat up zombies, that would have also been nice. But I think in this case, there was so much going on that I don't think it needed to go out of its way to say, like, and women are also cool because we have Jin Yi, we have uh, Song Kyung, we have Song Wan, the two old ladies and stuff. And they are rounded characters that have very clear, defined conflicts and arcs on screen. Yeah, like a fair number of movies we've covered, this falls under the category of has strong, well-developed women characters but is not actively exploring themes of feminism or gender equality. There's good characters, but this movie's got a lot going on and it can't be exploring everything. It does show like a badass pregnant woman doing a lot of cool stuff, but I for sure, for I wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a feminist movie. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. It, it walks a very fine line. Like we talked about, Sam Kyung has like, this brilliant moment of paper macheing this door on her feet. And like, she is a survivor. She is tough. At no point do Purge and he ever pick up a bat or uh, anything and beat back a zombie, which is a little. She does help in the final fight with the asshole zombie. Yeah. She does help. Like, but that. That's true. Yeah. That is like the one moment where she is She's also seven moms pregnant. Uh, yeah. Let's cut her some slack. 100%. Yeah. I'll give you Jin. I'll give you Jin He. Like, Jin He should have, like, grabbed a bat and started swinging. But let's cut some slack to the seven month <laughs> pregnant lady. The fact that she actually went after the zombie while he was fighting the CEO, I thought was just badass. Yeah. So I think Jinhee could have used a, a little more development, a little more of something to do rather than scream and run. That's yeah. pretty much all. Other than yeah, yeah. from like yeah. on set, like adding uh, another like active twenty year, like twenty year old like Fio who like actually does badass shit. Yeah, um, that would have been yeah. 
other than that, I think like for the characters that they have, I think they did about as much as they could. Yeah. I didn't expect either the old ladies to start doing flips and pulling out twists and kicks yeah. and everything. But giving, but giving this it, old that lady. That would have been a very different movie. But giving this old lady like the big moment of like, I'm done with this world and I'm killing everyone in this thing. Yeah. Or would it be, that would be like if Stephen Chow directed this movie where you think like, oh, okay, zombies are invading this train. And then you're like, what? The two old lady sisters are Kung Fu masters and they just beat up all the zombies? Let's have that movie sometime. Like, can we just have uh, one of those, please? Just the two old ladies beating up zombies. It's like Double Dragon, but with zombies and old ladies. Yeah, and they're but it's like a zombie apocalypse, and they're like old ladies saving people using their pragmatism and their old lady experience, and they're cooking and knives. Oh, we and and they're of course they're martial arts and they're like you know yeah. capability, but like yeah. they save a bunch of people and they're like. You know, it may be the zombie apocalypse, but that doesn't mean that you have to eat shitty food. You know what? We can roast these pigeons and we can season them. All I can assume is the snack car is, is at the opposite end of this train, which is really unfortunate. They don't, nobody gets to take a, a break and grab some food at any point in the Smith. Well, from the zombies perspective, every car is the train, is the snack <laughs> car. Thing. The old ladies did have a hard-boiled egg at the start. Yeah. <laughs> there was a snack machine at, at like a little kiosk in one of the, uh, like near one of the washrooms. So yeah, that. I do want to talk about the, the zombie depiction because again, like in zombie movies, there is a an ableism issue that comes up with how zombies are depicted. And I want to say that the zombies in this movie are less about the monstrosity of illness and when the, there's a medical condition, the seizure stage of the infection is taken fully seriously. The zombie virus in this, at least in the early stages, actually feels a lot like rabies in the way that they, you know, express, they express it physically. And the muscle spasms are depicted more as athletic than I noticed. Like the kind of almost dance-like work that some of these zombie actors did when they were rising back up and they, and it was less about struggling for them. It didn't look like they were struggling. It just turned like they were just jerking up and just that top speed. There was some film speed variation, which really helped that effect. And this is where I want to get into my zombie theory about how these zombies work. Yeah. Because, theory time. Okay. So I'm going to make this as quick as possible. It is my belief that this particular zombie virus, like many reduces the the brain function to just like basic motor skills and so there's not a lot of cognitive stuff going on not a lot of processing there's an attraction to movement but i do feel that there is a social like a lot of the george romero and a lot of the original zombie zombie movie conceits there is a social commentary about crowd mentality that when the crowd is going a particular way then everyone else does. And I think that that also has to do with the people involved and them being under threat. And I can get into theories about like how the blood circulation does and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I thought about this a lot because I felt like there was a lot of really cool details, whether or not they were intended. My like science fiction fantasy reverse engineering brain was going on. But the fact that the zombies were confused by flashing lights, that they would all 
crowd in the direction that the zombies were going. If one zombie noticed something, not all of them had to hear it, but it would say saw one person going some way that they would all go. I feel like there's a certain amount of commentary on crowd mentality, not so much that it is bad or good, but that it is can it can so easily be taken advantage of. So I thought that that was interesting and in, in that being a cool little nugget of detail and how these zombies worked that we don't really need to know because then as much as we want to think about it scientifically with our Star Trek imaginations, I think that it's it harkens back to the heart of what the idea of the zombie apocalypse is about, which is about people losing their humanity en masse, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. Does anybody else have anything to add to that? Or do we want to talk about how uh, wh- whether this movie is worth people watching? Yes, absolutely. Prepare to be gutted, but yes, it's incredible. Bring your hankies and your tissues and your your steam, your tea, teddy bear. Yeah, it's on like three or four different streaming services for free right now. So yeah, yeah. check it's, it out. So yeah, I watched it on YouTube for free. Since we obviously love this one, what else do we have to recommend this week? What should people check out? Chris, do you have anything to recommend? I don't think it's necessarily a horror movie, but it feels like a horror movie to me. The Handmaiden, or by Park Chan-wook, I think is an incredible movie. And it it very much feels like a horror movie. I think it is solidly a horror movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have yet to yeah. see it, but it has definitely been described to me in ways that sound, sound very yeah, much same. like a horror movie. If you want more intense train-based genre fiction, definitely check out Snowpiercer. Uh, South Korean director with a pretty great American cast with Chris Evans in the lead. I would recommend uh, if you want something like this that is just almost as effective at taking the zombie situation very seriously without being too campy as 28 Days Later. There's some there's some elements of 28 Days Later that are definitely campy. But this if you take the scene in 28 Days Later where Killian Murphy is like crying in the middle of the uh, street to Godspeed you Black Emperor and you make it a complete coherent movie. This is that's train to Busan right there. And no, no Godspeed you Black Emperor, just good luck and Godspeed. I attempted to recommend the Eternals, but I honestly don't know. Everybody's mileage on that one is going to vary, but I I do recommend things like that. There's no rules. It's our podcast. You can do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Yeah, I'm opening the zombie doors right now, Jeremy. Go for it. If you want some uh, some more good action from our thick dad, you might check out Eternals. He is my favorite part of it. He's Gilgamesh in it, and he is uh, amazing. There is a lot of the movie he's not in, unfortunately. But the one other one other movie I have watched with him in it, uh, which is pretty incredible, is Unstoppable. Unstoppable is is sort of a it's like a crime thriller with him. Where, you know, his, his wife goes missing and it's, you know, he's trying to, to track her down and figure out what happened. And it's, uh, it's super good. And I, I mean, I love him and everything. So anything that you can, uh, get with our good thick dad, uh, Ma Dong Siak, uh, also known as Don Lee. If you're looking for a lot of American titles, it'll have him listed as Don Lee. Definitely. I think he's the, the one to follow from this. I mean, everybody's great in it, but he's really fantastic. We have the star of Parasite and Gong Yu, you might have seen after this in Squid Games, where he plays the recruiter who just slaps the shit out of people and it's sexy. Ooh, I haven't seen Squid Games yet and I've been wanting to. It's just, it's on my list. 
Uh, I have another uh, question. I also real quick would love to know what would you all recommend for a follow-up to this movie to cheer yourself up? Uh goofy movie. Yay! Dad bonding. Yes, exactly. <laughs> dads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now you, we, we get the happy ending with it. Yeah. Yep. Thick dad. Thick I'm dad. going. Yeah, I'm going with uh Heat is a way worse thick dad, don't get me wrong. Like way worse. <laughs> this is a bad thick dad in Goofy movie. But uh yeah, I'm gonna go with Goof Troop. Goofy oh. and Max going on road trips. Chef for another good dad movie. Ooh, love Chef. Good pick. And now I want a Cuban sandwich. You know, mm. another good dad movie. Rule and it's delightful. Uh can I find where am I? It's New York. There has to be someplace I can get an 11 p.m. Cuban sandwich now. Good luck and Godspeed. Uh, Actually, that probably is. Emily, it's going to take me a second. Do you have, you have something? Hook. Yep. Bangerang. Uh, Bangerang review. Yeah, I, I'm going to uh, not recommend something particularly dad-related, but something that I fell into the other day because it was on a list, and because I am who I am, I just started watching it. Which is uh, when Harry met Sally, a favorite of mine. That is Look, just so infinitely watchable. I think people should just go home and play Cats in the Cradle on loop twenty times. Go watch like on the Gold game. Pod and- no, the song like Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. <laughs> when you come at home, Dad, don't know when. Just <laughs> so feel happiness anymore. Yeah, just like drink some water. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that about wraps it up for us. Chris, can you let people know where they can find out more about you and your work online? Yeah, sure. You can uh, look up all of my work at Matt Cave Studios at mattcavestudios.com. At, that's all on the handles. Jeremy, uh, in the coming, in the coming uh, years, or sometime in the future. Jeremy is going to have something out there. Ooh, <laughs> oh my, yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, and you could follow me personally at Why the Last Chris. And yeah. Yes. And I, I it'll, it'll long pass by then, but I just got to post some of our character designs from our Mad Cave book today, which I'm, I'm super excited about. So we'll, we'll, we'll be months in the future from now by this time this comes out. But, well, a month in the future. <laughs> All right. Uh, as for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on their website at BenConComics.com where you can pick up all of their books, including the brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising and the Glad Award nominated Renegade Rule graphic novel. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JRome58 and my website at JeremyWhitley.com where you can check out everything I write. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon. Come visit us there for extras, uh, including extra episodes about The Fast and the Furious. We'll get more coming soon, I promise. Uh, our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And we're at Prog Horror Pod on Twitter, where we would love to hear from you. Come talk to us. Tell us what you thought of Train to Busan. Uh, which dads made you cry? Unless it was your dad. It might get a little personal. <laughs> That's a different Patreon tier, but we'll get there. Yeah. We're not qualified for that. Um, <laughs> speaking of loving to hear from you, please, we would love for you to rate and review this wherever you're listening to it. It helps us to find new uh, listeners. If you give us five stars, it'll recommend it to other people. So thank you again very much 
to Chris for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks everyone for having me. It was a really good time. Yes, thank you. Thank you for seeing yeah, us you so this much. time. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope it was a fun time for you tonight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Ben and Emily for co-hosting as always. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by Alicia Whitley. This episode featured the original Horror Squad, Jeremy, Ben, and Emily, along with special guest Chris Sanchez. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Maria Colo 6 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you like this episode, you can support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.